Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It's a Friday edition. Friday's the best day of the week because it's the day Ari and I talk about games that are coming up on Saturday, which means we get to watch football all day tomorrow. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be glorious. There's some great games. There's some very interesting lines, very interesting over-unders. And Ari, I, I am very ready for this week. Uh, we, we, you know, spent a lot of Thursday talking about potential compromise with the college football playoff. It, it seems like the commissioners who got really mad at Greg Sankey are now ready to get out of their own way and maybe get something done in time for 2024. It sounds like the only tweak that they want to make to the original plan is instead of it being the six highest ranked conference champs, it's the power five conference champs and the highest ranked group of five champ, which would change, would change the, the outcome like one, one out of every 10 years. I can live with that, Ari, if they just get this thing going. Yeah, I understand that. I, I think that bringing back the idea of winning a conference championship is kind of cool. Am I alone in that? I don't think you're alone in that. I, I think there's a lot of people who who like that. But the thing is, it, it's the same idea. It's just this changes the situation where now it does delineate the power five from everybody else instead of saying just the top six ranked conference champs, which I think there's only one year that would have would have been the case where a power five school would have been left out. So I, I don't think it's going to change the field in a lot of cases, but I do think it'll grease the wheels and get this thing going. The the league that it I would think it works out the best for is the new Big 12, the the Texas and Oklahoma list yeah, Big 12. Yeah. I was gonna say like the concept of power five is ever adjusting right like i mean it's changing mm -hmm. every uh, i don't know maybe the, the fireworks for the most part are over here but like the new big 12 without texas and oklahoma having an automatic bid is a pretty well the idea of that is a pretty nice deal for them because i think you could make the case that they're the well i don't think you make the case i think they're clearly the worst power five as we know it conference but now you know, I think they're pretty close with the Pac-12, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, but at least the Pac-12 has name brand powers that have, you know, competed for, have made the playoff in the past. It's like, as you know, I know B, I guess, you know, Baylor and TCU kind of, you know, were in that discussion in 2014 and they've had other teams, but you, you get my drift. There's no oh, yeah. traditional power now in that conference and, you know, guaranteeing that that conference is going to have a playoff team. And, and let's be honest, the winner of that conference in a 12-team format would probably find their way in regardless. But like, yes, I, I think agree. the idea is nice because the one thing that we've heard a lot this week, Andy, is what? Why do they play the games? You know, you, know, you right. hear that over and over and over again. And I think bringing back the, the emphasis on winning a conference championship is great for the sport, not just because 
you know, winning a conference is a great accomplishment that kind of gets lost in the dust at some of these places, but also, you know, helps you settle it on the field. And instead of worrying about subjective playoff rankings where people are screaming at the sky about Michigan and Michigan State's ranking, you know, both teams are on the same side of a conference that would be able to settle it on the field, which they've semi done already. And, you know, anything that preserves, you know, conference races and regular season fun, I think is a good thing. Well, and the other thing is we, we talked about devaluing conference championship games with the 12-team league. This adds more value back in. Now, so did the other plan, but this tells you exactly which games are going to determine if a team makes the playoff by winning the game, which does add an element of intrigue, especially if you've got a fluky division champ. And, and I realize this is something a lot of people don't want. They don't want that fluky division champ to have a chance to make the playoff, but Look, if you have a freaky bid thief, I mean, we love bid thieves in March. Why, why can't we have bid thieves in December? Also, if the field is 12, there's going to be bid thieves anyway, whether you want to call it or not. There's not 12 teams yeah. in college football who are good enough to win a national championship. And you're going to have 10, 12 teams playing on that stage. So if one of them is, if you win your Power 5 conference, as far as I'm concerned, I don't care how you got there. Go, run run with it, King. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think that's good. Yeah. Here's Here's the other kind of reading the tea leaves on this. I would think that for the Big 12's next media rights deal, the first one without Texas and Oklahoma, there's a difference financially to a TV network between one of these teams might make the playoff and one of these, one of these teams, teams is guaranteed will. to make yeah. the playoff. Yeah. yeah, you're 100% right on that. And I wonder, too, about the influx of, of cash and you know maybe the, mm -hmm. the ability to get more might help some of these programs that are in the developmental stage take the next step. Like I, I sometimes wonder, too, it's like if you are in a conference – that doesn't have to compete with Oklahoma and Texas for all the bad reasons of losing them to the uh, SEC. Are there inherently good reasons for teams like Baylor or right. TCU or Iowa State? Now you don't like, have you make a case you're not there? blocked by Oklahoma. Yeah, you're not blocked by Oklahoma anymore. And and the other piece, I mean, like if you're UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, BYU, this is this is gold for you. But here here's the other thing: Does this maybe change the tenor of the negotiations whenever those start? for Texas and OU's exit from the Big 12 because they've said they're willing to wait till 2025. I think we all know that nobody wants that to, to take that long. And so perhaps the Big 12 is a little more amenable to letting him go if Greg Sankey, who's not necessarily a fan of this compromise, were to say, you know what? We're cool with that. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, Sankey, Sankey wants as many SEC teams in there as possible. So right. But I think that was also rational because when you think about it, how many traditional powers who are going to be good every year or at least a discussion point every year are in the SEC? Six? Yeah. Is that a fair well, number? The, the thing is, it is, but here's the thing. The five plus one or the six highest ranked conference champs doesn't change how many SEC teams would get in. That's right. So it really is no skin off his nose, but... I think because he was one of the architects of the the original proposal, I, those guys like the idea of not letting in like a fluky three or four loss team that happened to win its conference championship. But when's the last time that's, again, that's happened? It, it's it's not. It's just yeah. It, it I'm trying to remember the last uh, was it Wisconsin in 2012 because Ohio State and Penn State couldn't play in the in the Big Ten Championship game, so Wisconsin ended up playing Nebraska. 
How many losses did, did Wisconsin have in that scenario, though? I don't even remember that. Were they one of those? Three or four. I believe they had four. Oh, really? Yeah, well, I guess in a world where two teams or one team that is undefeated gets uh, banned from postseason play because of NCAA violations, and I guess we'll just have to Ari, they that. had five losses. They did? Interesting. Yeah, they were seven. They were seven and five going into that game. Well, if there's a seven and five team that wins their conference, then hey, you know, I don't know. I, I like I really like the idea. You know, my perfect world, and I don't know if you're with me on this, I think twelve is four too many. And I know that if you want to expand the playoff, you just expand it big enough where you feel like you're you're done. But to me, you have eight, which is more exclusive, which continues the intrigue. Mm-hmm. It's enough spots to guarantee all Power Five conference champs will get a, get at least one bid from winning the conference. You have two at larges for other Power Five teams that are also really good. So, like in this year's example, you'd have an Alabama and a Georgia spot, both of which may be deserving at the end of this whole thing. And then you save one for the group of five. Everybody's represented. Yeah. Everybody Except has the, a chance. The SEC, the SEC, and Notre Dame will not do anything that has fewer at larges than there are now. So it's out. Yeah. No. No. I, I'm just saying, like to me, that would be. Yeah. But like Notre Dame. I mean, it would be the same scenario, basically. Except it's not. There's four at-larges now. and there. I know, but at-larges. there's four at-larges now, but they're automatically reserved for the SEC champion anyway. You don't have to, you don't have to say that it is, but it is. I mean, two yeah, of those spots are going to the Big the Ten SEC champion. The SEC. Get, what if the SEC has four of the best eight teams? Why should, the thing why should the thing, somebody no, get left no, but out? What I'm, but what I'm saying for the Notre Dame thing is, is that in the current model as it currently exists, Notre Dame has resigned itself to having to go undefeated to get in. In this current system yeah. right now, if there's an eight-team playoff and Notre Dame is undefeated in the regular season, there is no circumstance where they wouldn't get one of those two. It's the same exact yeah, thing as it is now. If you're Notre Dame and you can do a 12-team playoff and you're now you're guaranteed to get in if you're 11-1, and one, and sometimes if you're 10-2... Yeah, no, I know. I'm just instead. saying my perfect world would be to I think that 12 waters it down a little bit too much for my personal preference. Because I think when you add 12 in, we might get some fun matchups, but you're letting in four teams that shouldn't be in there. You're going to be the first person that first week when there's the the games on campus between the the number 5 seed through the number 12 seed, you're going to be like, "Woo! I'm telling you." <laughs> no, wait. I'm not saying I'm not going to enjoy the games. I mean, I'm I, it's nobody's that's against this or or uh has a secondary opinion about what it should look like is anti-fun matchups i mean we love the sport to watch it like if we get to see uh, a cool matchup between oregon and texas a&m and then 12 team playoff and we never would have seen that matchup before of course i'm going to watch it of course i'm going to enjoy it but my understanding of this is that we're trying to make it as inclusive as possible for everybody, but there's a way to make it inclusive without watering it down. And I think there aren't 12 teams in the country that are good enough. I mean, like, well, look, there, there's look not, at this year. but there's not a realistic way to do that because the SEC and Notre Dame won't vote for it. So no, it's I not know. I'm saying happen. like in my perfect world, that would be what it oh, would okay. like. I, we need to do an entire offseason episode on Ari's perfect world. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I just want to know what your perfect world looks like. Like Post-game not just pizza. the football piece of it. Uh, yeah, I want to know. I want to know what your perfect like driving down the street, like what chain restaurants you see in your perfect world. I want to know what your perfect gas station has on the roller grill. These are all things that I'm dying to know. I'm, I've got answers. Yeah, I can fire them off, but I, I, I are, uh, yeah. Well, every- we, we got we got a lot a lot to talk about now. We're gonna we're gonna save that. That that is a one of our first off season shows is going to be Ari's perfect world. 
I I'm cannot wait for that right now. You can't lose a bet by the hook or you're reimbursed. Um, okay. Every single drive through <laughs> in America has a filet of fish as an option. Um, there's an eight-team playoff where every conference champ in the Power Five gets in. Um, you can eat whatever you want without weight gain. And uh, Ooh, I like that one. Yeah. I'll make a list. It'll be good. I like. I, I, I cannot wait. I want to live in this world other than... Would you rather be a billionaire... Could be given a billion dollars in cash right uh-huh. now. Yes. Or maybe a billion is too much. Let's say a million. A million dollars okay. in cash. Because a billion is at that point, it, nothing matters. Or right. would you rather be given the gift to be able to eat whatever you want and how much of whatever you want for the rest of your life without ever having negative health ramifications from it? Keep your money. I'm eating everything. Uh, so, like, what if I said Absolutely. a billion? I'd take the billion. See, a billion is a little bit too much because a billion, yeah. you could get a personal trainer, you know, and even yeah. if you get fat when you're a billionaire, nothing matters anyway. So who now cares? a millions, a million dollars is a lot of money. No, I've never I know, seen I a know million dollars before in my life, but, but I, I know like, you know, what you think about what your house is worth. You think about, you know, if you've ever looked at what you, what you wind up paying on your mortgage after 30 years and what you wind up paying on your car payment after all the years when the interest is included. It. Yeah, so like you're gonna spend there. There's a reasonable chance you're gonna spend a million dollars in your life, or make a million dollars in your life, and 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 that's that. But but being able to eat everything you want without negative health ramifications, including not getting fat, I'm in. Yeah, keep your million dollars. I'll find a way to make some money. Well, inflation was just what six point two percent or something crazy like that the first time, the highest in thirty one years. So like a million dollars, as we were trying to find a house and all the things with the baby, a million dollars when I was a kid, I thought was if you had a million bucks, you could just ride off into the sunset. Tell yeah, the world you are super wealthy, buy your own that island. That is exactly, not yeah. the world we live in anymore. So I'm just trying yeah. to think like, what about 10 million? 10 million, I might take the 10 million. <laughs> <laughs> because time value of money you know, if I'm smart enough to to just set most of that aside and just let it accrue, I, me and me and several generations of my family are are good to go. So I can work out. I can have a personal trainer. I can count calories in that yeah. case. But but if it's a million, I'm eating everything inside. <laughs> okay, sorry for hijacking your podcast, but you want to talk no, about perfect world? By all I, means. I always was, joke about cool. like what what a gift a it would be right if there. you could just wake up. You wouldn't need magic spoon. We always need Magic Spoon, Ari. Everyone needs Magic Spoon. Well, now you do, yeah, because it's the perfect... 140 calories per serving. Keto-friendly. There's no such thing as keto in this world at that point. You can eat a bowl of Rice Krispies. We want everyone to love Magic Spoon and buy Magic Spoon. But I'm saying this this is the perfect thing. We need Magic Spoon because what the scenario I'm giving you doesn't exist. It's true, true, true. Maybe that's their new motto. Until Ari's perfect world exists, buy Magic Spoon. That's right. <laughs> I like it. All right, let, let's talk some games because there is a, there's a lot going on. I pressed the wrong button because I always do. The game we want to talk about, we were talking about the Big 12 earlier. Let's talk about the Big 12 now. Oklahoma is back in action after a week away. They are a five and a half point favorite at a Baylor team that lost to TCU last week, but Weird circumstances in that TCU loss because TCU had just fired Gary Patterson. 
they decide that, that Max Duggan is too hurt to play. Chandler Morris finally makes his start, and Chandler Morris looks fantastic. He looks like the kind of quarterback that, oh, I don't know, Oklahoma would have recruited. Oh, wait, they did. Is Baylor the best team that Oklahoma will have played up to this point? Yes. Yes, and, and, and it gets progressively more difficult. Now, I know Baylor beat Iowa State, but I'd say Baylor and Iowa State are kind of in the same bucket. And then Oklahoma State might be kind of a notch above those two. Give me the points. Even though Iowa State Give beat Oklahoma State. me the points. You want the points? Okay. Oh, I want the points. I think that Oklahoma's been trying to tell us who they are all year, and it's time to listen. Okay. I, I Yeah, I... Am I nuts? You're not nuts. You're not nuts. I just... I, I, so this is the first open date since Caleb Williams became the starter. And I always feel like when you make a major change like that, you kind of need some time to to recalibrate everything. And so once you have a chance to, you kind of become what you are. And so I don't know that we've seen what Oklahoma is fully yet. I think we're going to see it this week. So I, you have decided Oklahoma has, has revealed itself. That's who the Sooners are. And they're going to kind of go by the skin of their teeth the whole way through. I'm not so sure. I think Oklahoma still has a step up in it. And and I think we're going to find out this week which one of us is right. Yeah, and Oklahoma, if they if they do what you're saying, is going to create an awesome potential discussion at the end of the year for the playoff. Because I think Oklahoma finishing the season undefeated um, as a Big 12 champion is an automatic bid into the playoff. It takes up one of the spots, and then you have two through nine to go with um, and to try to decipher who. And I understand there's a lot of games left to be played, and, and things are going to happen, but Oklahoma making it and taking away one of the spots is going to make for quite the controversy, I think, in one way or the other. So I, I, right. I so but what do you think, that like going on a is bye week is, is like a training if, camp week? I think so. I think you go back to fundamentals, all that good stuff. But I also think that... There's a, I don't know. I just feel like this team can be better than what we've seen. I, I don't think it is what it is. I think they can get better as the season goes on. They got better as the season went on last year. I, I just, I think it's, I think it's possible. So it's game now, as far as, as far as Oklahoma. Oh, I'm, I'm doing a bad job here trying to produce this thing. I, I'm, I'm trying to put in an ad and I can't put in an ad before we go. This is this is a, f- a first. We're doing the video podcast as well, and I'm trying to run the ads at the same time. Very tricky process. But so with Oklahoma, here here's here's the thing. I don't know that it's that interesting a discussion as long as Oklahoma keeps winning in terms of the playoff because they are going to play the three best opponents on their schedule here in these next few weeks. They will then play one of those opponents again, and if they beat them all, then. I don't think there's a problem. I, I think they're going to be in. No, the, no, the problem isn't Oklahoma getting in. Oklahoma could win ugly like the Kansas game, each of the remaining games, and win by one in all those games I think they're in. you can't. I don't think we're in a world where we can leave out a, a Power Five, uh, undefeated Power Five conference champion, whether that be Wake Forest or whether that be Oklahoma. Uh, that said, I think the controversy will be with the, some, the remaining teams and which teams potentially will get into that final spot. Because especially like if if Georgia loses to Alabama in the SEC championship game, which I'm assuming is probably going to be a pick em or a three-point spread, certainly within the realm of possibility, 
Those two will probably go, or most likely will go. Oklahoma will take the third spot up as an undefeated Power 5 champ, and then there's a lot of, uh, of, of discussion there for that last spot, which is what I think could happen. It's probably the Big Ten champ, whoever get, gets through that gauntlet, would be my guess if somebody gets through with one loss, which that leaves out Cincinnati, that leaves out Oregon. Now, if you look at everybody's, everybody's remaining schedule, I think there's a, there's a good chance. If Cincinnati plays the way they've been playing – then they might lose. They might lose to SMU. They, they might lose to, to Houston in the American Championship game. There's a good chance they might lose. They, they cannot play the way they, they played against Tulsa, the way they played against Navy, and beat those two teams. So they have to play better if they want to stay undefeated. Uh, then you, you've, got, you've got Oregon, which has been basically living dangerously. Uh, them against Washington State this week is no, no layup. In fact... I think maybe we should just talk about that now. Let's let, let's talk about Oregon and Washington State. Oregon goes to Washington. They're much better than Washington. It's terrible weather, but that that was a game for quite a while, Ari. Like, at what point does Oregon start putting away teams that it should put away that aren't Colorado? I don't know. Are they? Do we even believe that they're built for it? I think they can. I think that that Utah game in two weeks is going to be quite the thing, well, quite the banger. Yeah, and it's probably the first of two. So, either even if you get them with the first one, you're still probably seeing them again. So that that's the part I worry about. But uh, prepare to stay up late Saturday night recording the podcast, Ari, because th- this is Pac-12 after dark. Washington at Washington State at Oregon. We're we're going to have to watch this one uh, because you saw Washington State destroy Arizona State. Like, and that's a really good they win. play. Yeah. yeah, they play a game like that against Oregon. We might not be talking about Oregon in the playoff discussion anymore. So you're taking 14 then, I'm assuming? I, I think I might be. Yeah, I, I can see Oregon winning and not covering in this situation. They, they're just, they, they got to prove it to me at some point, right? Yeah, it is kind of funny to think that they went on the road and beat Ohio State, and then we're still wondering if they're going to uh, prove it to you. And I guess that Stanford loss is kind of still dwelling. But the last four weeks, Cal, keeps, UCLA, Colorado, Washington. You know, yeah, they, they almost lost uh, after beating or losing to Stanford a few times. And it's like you want people to be humming in November. I know it's just the yes. natural inclination of any sports fan who's discussing this sort of thing. It's like you don't want to have a limping team limp into the playoff, which is why I think o- Oklahoma has found itself in a pretty bad spot in the current playoff rankings. But, you know, when a team is playing the way that they're playing, it almost feels like, you know, there's a certain confidence, like when you talk about other teams, like there's a confidence that that Georgia is going to win the SEC because of the way that they're playing. And, you know, right now, it feels like we're waiting for Oregon to lose again. It seems like it's going to happen. We're just waiting for it to happen again. And that's not the way you yeah. want to view your playoff right. team. They, they need to eliminate that feeling of inevitability. And the only way you do that is just start torching people. So we'll see if they can pull that off. We'll be right back after these words. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a... mm, real POS. You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. The headline game, or one of the headline games in the Big Ten, there's a couple. One of the headline games in the Big Ten, Michigan, one-point favorite heading to Penn State. Ari, this is one where, okay, we were going to take out last year because last year was so weird for everybody. But the home team has been very, very good in this series with Harbaugh and Franklin there. Yeah, I... My natural inclination is that Michigan's a better football team this year. And here's the thing. I have a very hard time trusting Penn State unless they're playing Ohio State. So I am, feel like I'm the only one who likes Michigan in this in this game. I I don't think you're the only one. I, I, I think everybody I talk to we, is all over Penn State. Well, I'm thinking back to 17 and 19. Now, 19 was an interesting trip to Penn State for Michigan because that was the one where Penn State absolutely dominated the first half. And it felt like in the second half they that Michigan fi- finally kind of figured out, oh, this is how we should be using Josh Gaddis's offense, and this is how we should be calling plays, and this is what we should be doing. And you thought, okay, if they'd played both halves like that, maybe Michigan wins this game. So I, I do feel like Michigan kind of knows what it is a lot better than it did back then. So maybe they go in and win this game. But but you look at Penn State, you know that the Wisconsin win is looking better and better. The Auburn win looks pretty good. The Iowa loss looks worse, but I don't know. I I, I think Penn State has enough to win this game. Uh, I think I'd probably take Penn State even to win outright. I mean, it's only one point, but as opposed to the other way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, just you take the you take the I money guess, line and win that extra three bucks. Can I uh, just? I'm sure you've probably already talked about this, but like, what is your take on the rankings with Michigan and Michigan state? I, I almost, uh, I, I said I'm in on the, consp- I, I was never one to believe the conspiracy theories that they were doing it because it was a TV show. But now I, I kind of do because it makes no sense for them to keep Oregon ahead of Ohio state. 
Uh, they kept Baylor ahead of BYU. You know, they, they honored other ones, but they didn't honor the, the Michigan, Michigan State one, even though it had just happened. And there was no good reason for that other than they, they decided it would be boring and it would make for a boring TV show if they didn't do something to get us talking. So they did something to get us talking. And I'm sorry if that's not what the committee did, but that sure looks like what they did. Yeah, I I just don't know if I buy the idea that if you honor the head-to-head or quote-unquote honor the head-to-head in one matchup that you have to do it in the other because you, that you might don't, just not... But the same reason they put Michigan ahead of Penn State would be the reason to put Ohio State ahead of Oregon. And they didn't do that. What's Ohio State's reason to be ahead of, of Oregon right now? They've got no quality wins. We think they're better. <laughs> same, same reason Michigan's ahead of Michigan State. They think if they well, played again, I, I that Michigan that, would win the game. I think people forget that the protocol, like the head-to-head is the thing that we all watched and think, but like th- with the protocols, they have all sorts of different things that they're discussing, and it might not have just come down to that, you know? And if they think that they're better, then I think that Michigan is better than Michigan State. That wasn't a very popular comment on Twitter the other night. But I'm not necessarily sure I could sit here and look you in the eye and say, I'm sure that Ohio State's better than Oregon. They lost to Oregon and they play like crap the last few weeks. So like, I'm perfectly fine with this. I I don't, I know that it's egregious because it happened so recently and people are freaking out about it. But like, I can understand that if you're in the room ranking teams and you're doing it in the pod system, you're not directly comparing each team with the team directly behind it, how you could end up with these rankings without it being consistent. Right? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think it's crazy. I, I, I am I am fine with it because, at least with the, within the Big Ten East, it'll all work itself out. Because it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. Right. Michigan's playing Penn State. Michigan State still has to play Penn State and Ohio State. Ohio State still has to play Michigan. It will all work and itself Michigan out. State. So yeah. Uh, well, there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it'll all work itself out, and and we don't need to worry about it. But you know. If it were another situation where it's not going to work itself out, then I'd, then I'd be a little more concerned. But, uh, Ari, before we uh, we head to another huge Big Ten game, which, by the way, the last time these two teams faced off, it was, uh, it was a game we were all talking about afterward. So we go from State College to Columbus, Ari. Purdue is a 20-and-a-half-point underdog Headed to Ohio State. Now, Purdue has played giant killer this year. They beat Iowa when Iowa was ranked number two. They beat Michigan State when Michigan State was ranked number three. They now face an Ohio State team ranked number four in the college football playoff rankings. Do you think the Boilermakers can do it again? And remember, Jeff Brom has knocked Ohio State out of the playoff before. So when I was doing uh, the Ohio State podcast with Bill Landis, four to six with A and B, it kind of hit me uh, something between George Karloftis and Dave Bell. When is the last time that you could make the case for another Big Ten team that Ohio State is facing in the regular season or in the Big Ten championship that the other team had the two best players in the field? That's a good question. I mean, Rondell Moore was very good in that 2018 game, but the, the Buckeyes were loaded there. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a situation. And I know that like people are probably screaming else from Purdue. Like, who would you take? Would you rather take, if you were creating a team and you had to pick two, two players to build your team around, would you take Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave or would you take Bell and Karloftis? Well, I might take Garrett Wilson and Karloftis or Olave and Karloftis, but 
Yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, the combination of two. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying that David Bell is better than than any of the Ohio State receivers. But, like, the fact of the matter that the fact that this is even a conversation is such a foreign concept for Ohio State because this has never happened. Yes. You're exactly right. And it is a it's a scary thought if you're Ohio State, too, because they have shown us this. This is similar to what we were talking about with Oklahoma. You said, you know, Oklahoma's shown us who they are. Do you think Ohio State has shown us who they are? Yeah, and Ohio State's already lost because of it. So, you know, I think that we are, as college football analysts, constantly waiting. And the same thing that you said about Oklahoma right at the beginning of this podcast. I'm not necessarily sure that they haven't hit their second gear yet. And why do you think that, Andy? Because you know how they're built. And you know the history of what that program is. You have faith in Lincoln Riley. Their offense is usually awesome. And they've made the playoff four times in the last you know five or six years, whatever it's been. So that's kind of the way that you view it. You probably Ohio State's going to get the same benefit of the doubt in, in your mind. For me, I think Oklahoma has shown who they are, and I'm trusting who they are. And Ohio State, who has lost uh, as a result of not having things together um, and played close games with Nebraska and Penn State the week before, that like I think I'm taking the 20 here. I think I am too. I, I, I which I mean, Ohio State could just click suddenly, and it, this. But I guess it's the same conversation we have with Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma will click. Now, the difference is Oklahoma is only a a five and a half point favorite. Ohio State is a is a near nearly a three touchdown favorite, which is very different. You know, Ohio State can still win this game by two touchdowns and not cover, which you could be very comfortable winning that way and and still not cover. So I I would take the 20 and a half. I'm with you on this because I think Purdue is going to give them a game. And even if Ohio State survives it's probably going to be closer than three touchdowns and you ever bet on the nba no that seems insane to me (laughs) well back in the day when the warriors were the warriors right when they were playing their best ball and they were one of those teams that could score nine points in a minute and break a game open completely they didn't cover every single spread that they were in but it also was miserable to bet against them and like if Ohio State beat Purdue 42 to 17, I don't think anybody on earth would be surprised by that. But on the same hand, like betting against Ohio State and being wrong would just be miserable. So like to me, I would never I would never bet this game like with my actual money uh, because you never know when it's going to click or if it's going to click. But based on what Ohio State has shown us, I don't think that it's good analysis to just be like, you know what? They're probably just going to figure it out this week and beat the crap out of Purdue. That's what I'm going to expect. I want to see that happen first before I discuss them in that light. And I know that that seems kind of interesting considering the fact that I I view them as a as an attractive playoff candidate. But at the same time, too, I'm still picking Oregon over Ohio State on if I'm on the committee right now. So, like, to me, I think Ohio State is probably one of the few teams in the country that can actually beat Georgia this year if things come together the right way. But they don't just get to – we don't just get to say they're coming together until they do. Well, speaking of Georgia and 20 and a half point favorites, Georgia is a 20 and a half point favorite at Tennessee. And I got to say, Ari, after watching Tennessee's offense the last few weeks, this is a tough one for me to, to say Georgia's going to win this by three touchdowns. Like, I, I feel like if anybody can score on them, it might be ten, th- this particular iteration of Tennessee. I'm a, a Hendon Hooker fan. I'm a fan. I think Tennessee's How could team, you not be? I think the ten, Tennessee team total is 17 and a half for what they're expected to potentially score in this game. If they if they go over 17 and a half, I think I'm taking the points here. 
Like to me, like I think if the expectation is that Tennessee is going to score 17, I don't know that Georgia is going to score 40. Maybe they will, but I, I think I like Tennessee here. I, I think so too. Now the, the bigger question is, and you just asked it, you know, can, can Tennessee get over 17 and a half? Can anybody score like that against Georgia's first team defense? Now we're not, I'm not talking garbage time, you know, and it may be that there are some garbage time touchdowns in this game, but can anybody score three touchdowns on Georgia's first team defense? Is there anyone in the country capable of doing that? Uh, Yeah. I think so. Okay. Who? I think I think twenty one. Ohio State could score three touchdowns okay. on them. I think Bama Alabama, on the right day. I think Alabama maybe would probably be able to do it. I think maybe Cincinnati. Maybe. maybe. Um, I think that list is pretty small though. And also, yeah. when you say could, and I think there's a, dis- a distinction between could right, and right. Would. We're saying, is yeah, it possible, like, is not it possible? is it likely? There's a, there's I, a difference, I, yeah. I think that it's certainly possible if Ohio State's, off- Ohio State's offense is very, very good when they're when they're got it figured out. I think that, that the one matchup that I would want to see um, over any other matchup when it comes to the Titans or the top six teams right now, I'd want to see Ohio State's offense against Georgia's defense. I think that would be the most entertaining possible matchup between two teams uh, this year. And I think there's a good chance that we're probably going to get to see that. And um, But like I also, too, am very curious about Georgia in Atlanta against that Alabama. You know, I don't know that – I know you and I have been on the Georgia train since before it was cool to like Georgia – before the year, we both picked them to win the national championship, and I still obviously feel that way. And I don't know that there's been a team that's been this drastic of a favorite at this point in the year, um, the way that Georgia is this year, but I still would like to see what the walk-on quarterback does in Atlanta. Like, I still have some question about them. Like, they're not bulletproof. And Alabama's been there before. They're a thorn in everyone's side in the SEC, and I don't know if I'm just going to hand Georgia the SEC championship right now when Alabama still exists. I think everybody who has a potential to make the playoff is going to be watching this Georgia-Tennessee game going, come on, Tennessee, just score on them. Just, just, yeah, just and here's give the us other, hope. Yeah. Here's, here's the other piece of it. You might feel differently about Georgia's offense. after Because Georgia's not had to try to score a ton of points to win. This is one of those sufficient offenses in the country. If they get dragged in anything close to a shootout, my guess is they're going to score a ton of points. Yeah. If Georgia's offense is built to survive a shootout, then I think that they're winning a national championship is a foregone conclusion. But I also think there's a difference between a shootout against Tennessee and a shootout against Bama. So Absolutely. You know, but but you don't want to see either one if you're somebody who might have to play them because you're 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 afraid if Georgia can win a shootout, that's that's a problem. If, if now it, it does make you feel better because it meant somebody scored on them, but I don't know. I, I just think with their offense, it's been pretty risk averse because the defense allows it to be risk averse. But I think if they needed to, they could, they could make some stuff happen. Andy, if Georgia beat Tennessee 52 to 39 this week, don't mm-hmm. you think that your viewpoint of Georgia's dominance in the sport this year would be completely different? Yeah, it would, it would make me feel like somebody else has a chance. Me too. Like I think if, if yeah. Georgia beat Tennessee 10 to 6 or 10 to 0, that would be more of a confidence boost for me in terms of what I, I think 
Georgia is capable of on the biggest stage more so than winning in a shootout. Because the one thing that we know, death, taxes, and Georgia's defense. If Georgia's defense gets exposed for any any reason, not that I accept that that's even a possibility right now, but if it were to happen, I think it wouldn't have to result in me, me recalibrating my viewpoint on how untouchable they are in this season. Let us head to Oxford, where Texas A&M is a three-point favorite at Ole Miss. I think this might be the most entertaining game of the weekend, Ari. Texas A&M is an interesting one because they proved against Alabama they can win a shootout. They proved against Auburn they can win a completely defensive struggle. I think they're about to get dragged into another shootout. I think they can win that way, too. I am not higher on, maybe not on the field, but have you been paying attention to what Texas A&M has been doing in the recruiting front? I have. I, I mean, have. they got Walter, Walter, Walter Nolan. Nolan and Evan Stewart was there with him and he might, he might be next on board. Who knows? They got Walter Nolan and another top five, a top 100 receiver on the same day on Saturday. And they also, um, got crystal balls from five-star safety out of Louisiana, Jacoby Matthews, five-star wide receiver, Evan Stewart out of Frisco up by where I live and four-star defensive lineman Anthony Lucas all of which are are top 60 players like I'm not trying to turn this into a recruiting conversation Andy but like Texas A&M is building an Alabama Georgia like roster right now and like I know that they have two losses and you know they've had to kind of make do with a backup quarterback this year and it's unfortunate that this is also the year that they won't beat Alabama but like I don't think there's any program in America right now that's hotter than Texas A&M is that can I make that claim no, I, you absolutely can. Absolutely. Now, on the field is different than than yeah. in recruiting, and and right now on. But here's the thing: on the field, on the field, yeah, it feels like they are rounding into form. It also feels like, you know, they're they're not out of it in the SEC race. Now they need help. They would need Auburn to beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl, and obviously Texas A and M has to win this week against Ole Miss. They still got to beat LSU. I, there's a lot left to that, that they would have to accomplish to get to Atlanta and then somebody would have to help them. I mean, don't forget Prairie View. But <laughs> how could I? But that doesn't seem outside the realm of possibility, Ari, that all that stuff happens. Yeah, I mean, if Auburn beats Alabama on the Iron Bowl this year in Harson's first year, I just like it's not supposed to happen that regularly. It's just not. Auburn's got something in the sauce up there, man. I don't know what it is, but they got something up in the well, sauce. You've, ne- you, you've never been to a big SEC game, and and I, I'm just no, telling you, Jordan Hare, when Auburn is good and the opponent is big, is a very tough place to play. And there are days, like the 2017 regular season game against Georgia, there are days Auburn ain't losing in that place. There, there, there are days like that. So we'll see what happens. But first, Texas A&M has to get out of Oxford with a win. I think Matt Corral is going to be able to do some stuff against that defense. They will not look as dominant as they did against Bo Nix and Auburn. But how healthy are Ole Miss's receivers? Is that offense at full power? Because I feel like it needs to be against the Texas A&M defense. Yeah. uh, Every week, I have to submit my picks on the athletic for the 15 or 10 biggest games of the week. And last yes, week, I was asked to do a welfare check on you over this game. Yeah, uh, I went seven and two last week. I'm feeling pretty good about that. But I picked Ole Miss 
And it's just because of just like the score projections that I was reading on the internet. And like, it just seems to me that Matt Corral might be able to do some things against this, this Texas A&M defense. But like, I don't feel good about that. I saw the welfare check thing. Like this is like a really tough game to peg. It, it is. And I think that's why the spread is so, so narrow. And, and I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I do think it's going to be highly entertaining. So I yeah. can't wait for that. No, bro, uh, you, in the nobody SEC. loves anything more than you love watching Ole Miss, I feel like. I do enjoy it. I, I think they're the most, they're, they're just one of the more interesting teams in college football. They play interesting games, except for the one last week, which we told you was not going to be interesting. And it wasn't. They they won. They were better. They were clearly better. And, and they just sort of, you know, sucked the air out of that one. But this one could be interesting. We moved out of the plains. We mentioned Auburn when, when they're good and Jordan Hare's rocking. It's it's real hard to win there. I, I think Mississippi State probably finds that out, especially Auburn needing to to play a little better offensively after just getting embarrassed by Texas A&M's defense. Uh, but I would do I, the, the reason we're talking about this. You know, the one I, I wanted to bring it up. These two teams once played a classic. We are we're not 13 years removed from this, Ari, but these teams once played a classic three to two game. <laughs> It's been that long. We will. It was 2008. And the only reason I I bring it up and and was reminded of it this week, I did a story. There there was a spate of midseason coordinator firings this week. You had it at Florida, Washington, Oregon State, and Nebraska. And so somebody had asked me, does these ever work? So I I went back and looked to find out which ones worked and which ones didn't. One of the ones that most decidedly didn't was when Tony Franklin got fired seven games into the 2008 season at Auburn. But before he got fired, they played that 3-2 classic against Mississippi State. So I just figured, let's commemorate that. Hey, hey, remember when they played that? It was uh, one of the greatest games ever played. But more points will be scored in this one, I assure you. Mike Leach is involved. Although I think both defenses in this game are really good. You know, there isn't really a, uh, a seller in the uh, SEC this year. I mean, outside the, of Vandy, uh, Vanderbilt, maybe there's not maybe, in the SEC West. Yeah. Everybody in the SEC West, it feels like on the right day can beat everybody else. The, what I will point out, the under seems, a seems feels pretty good in this game. 49 and a half is the total. And I realize that's, that's 26, 24, but I, I don't know. These, both these defenses are pretty good. So I might, I might hit the under in this thing. Hmm. Oh, did you notice how how I actually correctly did the math there? I know I was actually didn't want to, I didn't want to jinx it any. Uh, I I ruined our best running bit by correctly calculating that. So I actually looked up the Sorry. team totals, like the Tennessee team total that I had seventeen and a half. I just knew it. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to do any just, math. I just knew the. That I just is knew impressive. the number. But I do appreciate everybody uh, tweeting at us, teaching us how to do that. It's like they don't know that. If we learn how to do it, the show gets less funny. Yeah, I, I think we're just going to continue just to try off the top of the head. Uh, and maybe one day we'll just get it right on accident. But I could see that. I could see this game uh, staying under. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Let's move to uh, to the AC. Well, ACC and ACC adjacent. Uh, Notre Dame, not officially part of the ACC in football, but obviously they are in the other sports and they have a scheduling deal that has them playing games like this game at Virginia, where they are a five-point favorite. And Notre Dame is interesting in the college football playoff race. I have said, like I went on a gambling show 
uh, on on Veasan a few weeks ago, and they asked, you know, what are, what are the chances Notre Dame make the playoff at eleven and one? And I'm like zero percent, zero percent. Now I'm feeling a little bit bad about that because I think there there now might be some scenarios where they could make it at eleven and one, but it's a lot of chaos that would have to happen. More interesting to me is can Notre Dame stay eleven, you know, stay with one loss for Cincinnati's sake. And we don't know if Brennan Armstrong for Virginia is going to play in this game. I think if he's playing quarterback for Virginia, it's a very different situation. If he's not playing, I, I like Notre Dame to to cover to to win fairly easily. Nope. No? You got you give got me the, the points. Give me the points. This is Why? the last Notre Dame. Notre Dame's looked better. Virginia's got the number 11 offense in America. And Brennan Armstrong right. is going to play. If, you think you're sure he's going to play? I don't know. If, I thought I read a, in a report earlier today that said that uh, Mendenhall said that he was expecting him to play. I, I have not seen that. Maybe I'm maybe I'm behind the times as we record this thing on, on Thursday mid-afternoon, but I had not seen that. So obviously maybe the I quarterback am, uh, obviously the quarterback changes the dynamic. A little bit. Virginia, it's in the Washington Post. Uh, Mendenhall, oh. while declining to confirm the severity of the inj- injury, indicated he was planning for the junior to be available against Notre Dame. To be available or to start? To be, I guess to be available. I don't know. I mean, if Brennan Democracy Armstrong- may die in the darkness, but the, the, the post <laughs> is not making me feel any better about what to do with this line. So... <laughs> Well, can I say on the podcast that if he plays, then I'm all in on Virginia. Also, Virginia's yes, I, I think scored you can say that at will on just about everybody they've played this year. And Notre Dame's D, I got news for you. I think it ranked number 60 overall in total defense, defensive uh, yards per game or defensive uh, efficiency. Like I, Notre Dame doesn't have a great defense. So actually the, the over under here, what is it? 64 and a half. I mean, that that to me seems like a pretty solid play, too, because I think Virginia is going to score and score a lot. Yeah, the, o- the over feels play. yeah the over feels good if Armstrong plays too, but I don't want to touch anything if Armstrong doesn't play. Well, yeah, that's, I mean that's if, if that's the best the player doesn't play, then it changes everything. But they they are one of the best offenses in college football, catching five and a half, which is basically a touchdown on the road or at home against Notre Dame. Like I don't know that Notre Dame is some bulletproof team that's going to go kick the crap out of them on the road. Give me no. the points. I want it, points it, in Baylor and I want points in Virginia. It's it's very interesting because Notre Dame keeps winning. That buoys Cincinnati, and, and Cincinnati's at number five right now. They're in striking distance. And and if Notre Dame keeps winning, all it does is float Cincinnati more. So it's 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 fascinating to watch this unfold. Let's stay in the ACC. NC State at Wake Forest. Now, Wake Forest has a loss to North Carolina. That was not an ACC game. Can Wake Forest stay undefeated in ACC play? They are a two-point favorite in this game. I love that they're undefeated in the ACC right now, by the way. I love it. I know. It's so funny. It's awesome. Um, I don't know. What, what's your take? It feels like Dave Clawson does pretty well against Dave Doran in, in, in these situations and in, in, in games like this later in the season. And uh, But, you know, in, NC State, the Miami game messed me up on NC State because I thought they, they would – found some consistency and uh, th- they were going to be different this year than, than in previous years, but now I'm not so sure. So I, I just, I, I think I probably got to go with wake forest because they're just going to keep scoring. Now they got to stop. They got to stop you, but 
I don't know. I, I just they're at home. They've won the last two times these two teams have played in Winston Salem. I I think I like Wake Forest. I think I do too. I'm just always afraid of the fall apart. You know, once like the air gets let out of the balloon. And not that I think that Clawson's team is susceptible to that, especially because of the loophole of not having an ACC loss so they control their own destiny in their own conference. But like, I just, I just get nervous coming off of an emotional uh, release the way that they had against North Carolina and NC state's not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination either. So um, I think I like wake forest with you, but I don't know that I love it. I don't either. I, I just, I, I think North Carolina was a terrible matchup for Wake Forest because Wake Forest defense has not been able to stop them in years past, was not able to stop them now. But I think it's really hard to keep up with Wake Forest's offense. I, I doubt that I don't think there are many offenses in the country that can. So we'll see if Devin Leary and the Wolfpack can. Are right, we started in the Big 12? Let's finish in the Big 12. Another team that I feel like is still in striking distance of the playoff that I don't think a lot of people are talking about is Oklahoma State. They've lost one game. Their defense is fantastic. If they're going to finish with one loss, they would have probably have to beat Oklahoma two times in a row. Mm-hmm. And so if they keep winning, I think there's a good chance they can make the playoff. But they've got TCU in a really interesting situation this week. TCU comes in. They're 13 and a half point dog. They fire Gary Patterson. Less than two weeks ago, but they switched to Chandler Morris at quarterback last week and beat Baylor. And now suddenly they look like a different offense. And I realize that Oklahoma State's defense has been outstanding this year. But could could it be? Is it possible that, that TCU could pull the upset with, with a completely different look on offense? Uh it's the Big 12 and 13 seems like a lot. And Chandler <laughs> Morris. Does. Uh, was recruited by and committed to Oklahoma. So like, and, and, and played there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying like, if they recruit you at that, in that class at Oklahoma, that means you're pretty damn good. Um, I don't know if I would be caught dead lying 13 here. And like, I, I think that it's important to say, as we discuss like teams that control their own destiny, Oklahoma state controls its own destiny, right? Like if they went out, they, they beat Oklahoma State twice or Oklahoma twice at Bedlam 2.0 even, they're they're in, right? They're in, I think they're in the playoff in, in that scenario. So because and, and some other stuff may have to happen, but that, that other stuff can can happen. Like it's all pretty plausible. Yeah, so likely will really because up to of the how crazy here. the sport is. Yeah. No, it's 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 really up to the Cowboys here. And and I'm excited to watch this game because I rewatched TCU Baylor the other day, and TCU is a lot of fun to watch with Chandler Morris playing quarterback. They were not much fun to watch before. Uh, it makes you wonder why they didn't go to him before, and and you know I don't think that's why Gary Patterson got fired. Now, obviously, Max Duggan did get hurt, and that was the reason they made the change. But listen, I I, I want to see this game. I think Oklahoma State, the way they are playing on defense, makes them a very difficult opponent for a lot of people and the question is can they keep this up can they can they stay as dominant as they were because i mean they went into west virginia west virginia drove down the field and kicked a field goal and then oklahoma state shut them down for the next 
whatever, 55 minutes. Like they never did anything the rest of the game. And, and Oklahoma State's defensive linemen were just living in their backfield. So that's that's probably what Chandler Morris has to look forward to on Saturday. Yeah, and Oklahoma State's one loss is a forgivable loss. Yeah, it's Losing Iowa by State. three on it's, the road in Iowa State, like, you know. Yeah, it's fine. If they were to beat Oklahoma twice, win the Big 12, then they'd be a very good resume and their loss wouldn't be bad. Yeah. No, I, I I think this is going to be a fun game. This is this is the type of game that makes or breaks a team, and because Oklahoma State, you know, obviously we're we're going to point toward Bedlam. Worry about this one because you don't know. Now I think what may happen is you know Baylor may have gotten caught with we don't have any film on this guy. We don't know what the offense is going to look like with him running it. Now Oklahoma State has a game to watch, and it may help the the defense plan and and. They may just come out and shut him down. But given what I saw against a pretty good Baylor defense, I think there's a chance somebody can score on them. So we'll find out. And and that's that's all you can hope for. This, there's three weeks left of this regular season, Ari. There will be monumental results every week from here on out. I'm here for it. This is going to be it. awesome. Can't I will wait. talk to you again very late Saturday night. In fact, it'll be Sunday morning where we are because we got to make sure we got to make sure Oregon wins in Pac-12 after dark. This is this is a noon Eastern to to 2 a.m. scenario this week. Can't wait. Can't wait to see you then. We will talk to you in the wee hours.